and welcome to the second episode of Star Guitar. My guest this week is Jessica Stavely-Taylor of The Staves. She formed the band with her two sisters, Emily and Camilla, in 2009, and they signed to Atlantic Records not long after. They released their debut album, Dead and Brawn and Grown, in 2012, and the follow-up, If I Was, which was recorded at Justin Vernon's April-based studio in Wisconsin in 2015. They released The Way Is Red, a collaboration with New York Chamber Music Ensemble Y Music in 2017, and as Jess tells me in the interview, uh, they're currently working on their next album, which they hope to have finished by the end of the year. I've been a big fan of the Staves since I first heard their Mexico EP. I think it's fair to say that the first thing you notice when listening to their music is probably not the guitar playing, but their amazing harmonies. But if you listen a bit closer, there's some really effective guitar in there, which perfectly complements the voices and um, you know completes the picture. With the second album, Jess switched to electric guitar and uh, I think started having a bit more fun with it which is something that we talk about a lot in the interview as well. So settle in and here we go. Hello, this is Star Guitar and I am Jessica Stavely-Taylor. So we'll go right back to the beginning. What was the first memory that you have of the guitar? The first memory I have of the guitar is my dad's guitars. Um, he had a few lying around the house that he would play a lot. And I remember... Um, sort of just hitting them and enjoying the sound that came out of them. I, right. I, as a very young kid, I'd hit the strings. Um, I guess early guitar tapping, but I didn't quite know that that's what it was. Did your dad enjoy you hitting them quite as much as you did? I think he kept an eye on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was always, um, yeah, sneaking into the room where he'd keep them. And I just enjoyed literally just strumming the strings in you know, a very childlike way and just figuring out that that made a noise and thinking that that was exciting. Um, and I loved watching him play and I loved watching how his fingers moved and the sound coming out of it. And he had he had mostly nylon, he had a couple of nylon string guitars and then a steel string guitar. Um, so it was the nylon ones that I used to, to bash around. And um, yeah, that's my, that's my first memory. Was he good? A good player? Yeah, yeah. Um, and still is, may I add. Um, he's, uh, yeah, he's really good. I mean, he's definitely inspired, all the stuff he played when we were kids was, I suppose, the kind of 60s, 70s singer-songwriter kind of stuff. Lots of Bob Dylan and Cat Stevens and things like that. Um, so I always sort of think of him with that kind of guitar playing. And that's kind of where I started as well. And he taught me to play guitar. Okay. And what age are we talking then when you went from hitting the guitar to trying to play it? How old was I? I'm just remembering how I actually hit it. I remember very well. You could go like that and I put it flat on your lap and go. And just tap out rhythms. I mean, this is in an open tune, so this actually sounds That kind does of, sound that. That sounds actually like sounds something. good, yeah. <laughs> but doing it in a normal tuning, it sounds more um, more experimental. Yeah. Um, but I think he taught, he taught me and Millie, who's my younger sister, to play on holiday. I think we were on holiday in Anglesey and I think it rained... As a it lot. is, want to do that, yeah. yeah. And we were, he'd brought the guitar along and we were sat inside and he taught us how to play, um, what was it? I think it was something like Karma Chameleon. Like, so he taught us to do the A minor and E minor and the nice easy chords. Yeah. And I think it was Karma Chameleon that was one that incorporated those ones. Or was it Living on a Prayer? Well, I think he had a guitar songbook thing with him. And um, I'd probably about 14, 15. 
and I... So relatively, not late, but like... Quite late. Quite late. Yeah, yeah, never had lessons or anything like that. Were you singing by this point then? Yeah, I'd, I'd sung from from day one, as cliched as it is, definitely. And I've been singing from... you and your sisters obviously um, sing together a lot, um, but was that something that happened when you were kids as well? Would you sing together? Yeah, 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 yeah. All the time we found... We've been going through... Um, the attic in the family home and found so many um recordings that my dad used to put a microphone up much much like you would do if you were doing a podcast he'd put a little (laughs) ambient mic in the room that would go into a tape cassette recorder thing and um would record us kind of hanging out sort of like a fly on the wall thing and I'm so glad he did it because it's so cool to listen back to it and to hear these tiny high-pitched voices and we were yeah we're all singing nursery rhymes along with him and um, and I guess harmonies came in at some point in, in the mix. I'm not quite sure when or how. But him and my mum would sing together in harmony. And he'd, he'd always come home from work in his suit, sit down, pick up the guitar and sing. And I think that was his way of shaking off the working day and being himself again after sort of pretending to be a, you know, growing up working and getting on the train and all that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, we were we were always singing and... We found some tapes of us. We were about, I must have been about seven, and we were singing in harmony then. When did the two things come together then? Well, I wrote a song called Gypsy when I was a kid, which was the tapping thing. Okay. And the lyric very much was, come on and gypsy. Like, gypsy was a verb, like, come on and gypsy. Like, I think it was sort of meant, like, come on and dance. So I remember singing and playing then. Um, don't know what it meant. But I sort of was feeling it. <clears throat> it was quite a bluesy song <laughs> when I was very young. But I think when I first started playing guitar, I couldn't sing at the same time because I was too, you know, like the tongue poking out yeah, in yeah, concentration. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. And then the next chord comes yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. and mm. sort of being in pain for a while. So I can't quite remember when I managed to kind of nail the two. But we found, again, going through the vaults, we found recordings from our first show that we ever did, which was in 2004. So 15 years ago, um, and I was playing guitar then. I think I think I was doing Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Where was the first show that you did? It was in Watford. It right. was in in the Horns Pub. So Watford. the the story, as I know it, goes that you used to do sort of open mic nights, mm, and mm. that's how your surname Stavely Taylor got shortened to the Staves, just writing on the chalkboard. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was it. The, that was the yeah. first gig. So we did open mics at the Horns and then, then they allowed us to do an actual gig and we got our friends from Watford in to, to be the band. So we sat on stools like Westlife. And, <laughs> key changes? Um, I don't think there were key changes in any of those so you songs. you didn't have to stand up then? No. No standing up. No, no, no. Um, but before that we'd done some open mics and I think I'd played, I played a Dixie Chicks song, that's right, and a Flute of Mac song. Um, on guitar so yeah I, no, I was about 16, 17 probably when that was all happening Considering you then went to Lippa in mm. Liverpool when well, you were 18 is that about no, like university age or is it later? I was a bit late in the game I bummed around um, in Watford after school and worked in bars and restaurants and wanted to do music but didn't quite know how to do it and yeah so I decided two years later to go to uni so I, I think I was 20 in my first year Okay but still, quite. Um, if you were fourteen or fifteen when you, your dad first showed you the mm. E minor, five years later to be doing a university course, and it's quite quick moving. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah, 
a lot of people will start in primary school maybe or you know really little yeah that's true what was the course it's kind of a mixed bag I mean you come out of it with a degree in music Mm. BA honours in music so I like to feel that feels quite proper that I've got a degree in music but it was a course that was more kind of pop popular music and I think it was made it was kind of like you it's all about the individual and you deciding what it is you want to do sort of when you start school so in my case I knew that I wanted to write songs sing them play guitar you know get a band together get a record deal and be an artist in that way whereas other people wanted to be producers or be um, session players and stuff like that and playing guitar the whole time as well yeah, I think I was quite shy when I started. I think the first year I sat back and didn't really do very much in terms of gigs. I did the, you know, I went to school every day, did all, all the work that I needed to do, but I felt a bit unsure and I was, you know, I was doing this stuff with my sisters back home, but I wanted to go off my own and kind of go to uni. And it felt like, well, this feels like a good place to go to uni because I get to do music. And then I felt like without them, oh, well, what do I do? And am I as good and I don't know and so it took me a while to find my feet and then lo and behold they ended up coming up quite a lot yeah, in I'm my sure. second and third year and joining in in the fun and then it it was all it felt like it was a sort of foregone conclusion really that we should be doing it as a as a trio a trio trio as a trio um <laughs> I was trying to avoid saying threesome and my sisters of course, in the same yeah sentence. that's not the best is it um as a trio yes yeah owning guitars then So what was the first guitar that you got? So the first guitar, my dad took me to Denmark Street and we went to one of the shops, I can't remember which one it was, and we we looked about and we got a Westfield acoustic um, and it was a sort of dreadnought shaped guitar, so I suppose it was their kind of version of like a D28 or something. Um, And I loved it, I played it all the time, I still have it. Um, and he bought me a gig bag to go with it, which I bought today, which is actually covered in mould, because I found it in my mum's loft. It's a sign of a well-loved um, thing. Yep. But I, I used it for years and years and years, and it's all torn. Um, and then he bought me a Yamaha Pacifica. Oh, wow, okay, like a strike copy, mm, yeah. And a little Marshall practice amp. The... The not the the tiny one that's like a pencil case or the sl- a slightly bigger one. The bigger one that's, right. that's got like one speaker in it, you know, the okay, kind of yeah. which which I still have and still use to practice on at home because it's it sounds awesome and it's got like a drive button that you can click and it's just a really cool distortion sound rather than using a distortion pedal. Um, it got to one point where I'd done some demos at home in my flat using that, and I think just maybe I did have my other like effects going through it, but the crunch came from that. And then we were recording in America and the producer was like, you should bring that amp out next time, man. You should fly it out. <laughs> He's so small, you could take it on a plane. But I was like, I mean, is it that good? Is it that good? And also we so could have just got one in America. It would be cheaper to just buy one probably, probably. from the music store. Um, so that was my, he got me my, my little setup. And um, so I was really into, I was really into Simon and Garfunkel and that kind of finger-picking style. And uh, James Taylor... And uh, an electric guitar-wise, I was really into Jeff Buckley. Yeah. Love Jeff Buckley. Uh, and was in love with Jeff Buckley as well. Uh, like a lot of people were, I think. And he got me the guitar, or my mum got me the guitar tab book for that. And for I, Grace? Yeah. Okay. And so I was like, I'm going to play Grace. 
and you know, like the intro to that song, mm. do, 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 and then I was just like, yeah, no, it's not, it's not gonna, <clears throat> it's not gonna work for me right now, man. Um, so I, the, the electric ended up getting shelved a little bit, and sort of sat behind a sofa and didn't get used to much. And the acoustic was the one that I sort of made more sense, and it enabled me to write songs and sing with. So it felt like I always think of myself as an acoustic player, even though I do play electric. Yeah. I suppose as well, if you're if you're using it as an accompaniment tool, then electric guitar on its own is not yeah. always great with three, you know, three voices. Yeah, I yeah. Um, it's a a lot of pressure though when you if when I see you and I've seen the three of you play um, shows that's just the three of you, mm. and sometimes like it'll be just you playing a guitar. Does that feel like a lot of pressure that you're providing all the music? No, I don't think it does. I think it feels actually the most natural. Right. Because that's how we started. And I think with our with our harmonies as well, we we were talking about it recently. I think because we didn't have a band and we were just, you know, a sort of singer-songwriter but three people. Um as opposed to three siblings and one to play drums and one to play bass mm. and one to play guitar become a family band in that way we were um more like a extended sort of singer songwriter type person or whatever you want to call it so we'd use our harmonies often to create like the backing because we didn't have anyone else to do it um <clears throat> so we'd kind of do bvs in that way that were maybe not the most obvious bvs i think to kind of compensate and i think with guitar playing as well i think i probably probably developed a way of filling out the space with the guitar playing in a way that you wouldn't if you knew that you had a bass player and a drummer to kind of occupy a lot of that space. I think in a way it feels the most natural and I've because I've come from that background and it felt more unnatural to have other people involved it took took a while to kind of feel confident and feel like it, it made sense and I'd always you have to worry about things like keeping in time not that we played wildly out of time but when you don't have a rhythm section you can keep your own time yeah um, which can fluctuate a little bit and that you can't really tell and it feels good and then you have to kind of learn to oh right I'm speeding up here and learning to be in a band in a conventional way I think I definitely was a late starter in that Have you performed much when you're not playing the guitar the three of you? No Does, no. It, say, does it ever feel a bit awkward because you haven't got something to hold? Um, yes it does it does, it does. Um, I, play, I mean there's songs where I play keys yeah. instead um, but the guitar definitely has become a shield uh, and a really nice one. And it's um, my sisters often say if they're not playing guitar, because they don't as much at shows, it's like, oh, I wish I just had something to like feel like I'm doing rather than just singing. You know, what do you do with your hands? And um, and also, it's great if you've eaten a big meal before a show. <laughs> You can pop a fly open and no one can see. You've got the guitar covering up. And it's like, is this top a bit short? And it's like, it doesn't matter. Just get a bigger guitar. Just have a big old guitar in front of it. Um, <laughs> no, it definitely feels like a comfort thing. I always feel the same way with having long hair. It's like something that slightly covers you a bit. Okay. And the thought of it being short suddenly would be like, whoa, I'm so exposed. Everyone can, yeah, what yeah. do you do? Um, but having said that, I have done. I have sung a bunch of times with yeah. guitar, but it's more, it feels more, more natural I think, to have it now. I was also interested in the difference in feeling between playing the electric guitar on stage and playing the acoustic guitar on stage, mm. because I know there were electric guitars on your first album, but the second album, 
I think was the first time when you were playing those songs it was the first time I saw you play an electric yeah um, I was shouting Judas at the back yeah. and, um, <laughs> um, but I wondered yeah if there's a different feeling that you have is it I don't know do you immediately feel more aggressive or something if you're making that much more noise it's great it's great playing electric and I really love it it feels more serious somehow Right. Like, right, things are getting serious. She's getting on the electric. But I think it took me a while to feel comfortable in that role because I hadn't come from that place. I hadn't sat in my room with my electric guitar, you know, practising Nirvana or Jimi Hendrix mm. or whatever when I was a kid. And, um, yeah, I think I, I felt a bit like if you have an electric guitar, you need to start doing kind of fancy stuff on it mm. to kind of justify it. And that's not really how I play guitar. So it took me a while, I think, to find my, my way. So I think, I suppose initially, probably fear was what I felt oh, yeah. when I was playing it live. And then, and then confidence, and then, and then more, more fun. And being able to do, you know, fun, distorted things and use effects and things like that. Um, I think I play it like an acoustic. So I think in that way, maybe I've got slightly my own kind of vibe with it versus not coming from a blues kind of background or whatever with it. Yeah, yeah, sense. yeah. Or a, or a bar chord, you know, yeah. or rocky stuff. standing stunts. on shredding or mm. anything. But, um, Can I pour some more coffee as we talk? Yeah, of course, mind? yeah. So. While you're pouring more coffee, I'm going to admire the guitar that you've been cradling on your knee. Yeah, the axe that I've I bought. been touring the axe, yeah. So, is it a D28? It is, uh, it's called an HD28. Okay, so um, yeah, Martin HD28. Okay. Which is not, doesn't mean that it's in high definition, but it means uh, it's a herringbone... Um, what do you call it? Out, outline? It's got the binding around the edges. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is. And that's the first guitar that I actually... Was it the first guitar I bought? It's the first expensive guitar that I bought. Mm. The first... So I got my first guitars from my dad. Um, cheers, Dad. And then I bought a guitar in Nashville, um, which was quite cheap, but a really nice Gibson acoustic. And then... Um, that's the first kind of expensive guitar that I thought, well, I'm a professional now and I'm going to buy like a real professional You need a real guitar. guitar. When, um, yeah. I mean, the D28 is, uh, it's what McCartney did all the white album and everything on, isn't it? So it's sort of, the D28 it's got a heritage. And it's, it's John Martin. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's Paul Simon and it's all those guys. And it, it felt, it felt like a real, yeah, I think it felt like, right, take yourself seriously now. How long ago was that? Then? Was it, you were signed at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was during the second album I got it. Yeah, so probably five or six years ago. Um, it's an open D. Open D. At the moment. You, just, yeah. it, you don't have to play anything, it's alright. Sustain, sustain for days. That's kind of like... platonic ideal of an acoustic guitar in a way I think if people drew an acoustic guitar it would be a D28 that they had in mind when they, yeah. were, when they were drawing it or if you, you think of folk any folk guitarist um, it's yeah I don't know it's like the guitar that all of the acoustics are kind of measured by I think. Mm. it's amazing yeah it's beautiful you said you bought it in Nashville, the um, the Gibson that you bought. Yeah, it's Where a, in Nashville did you buy it? I bought it. I was staying with um, a girl who I'd met at uni. Yeah. Who was who lived out in Franklin, which is in, in like a suburb in Nashville, and she's called Alyssa. And I stayed with her, and her dad had a huge guitar collection, 
and that must have been in about 2009 and it was just like okay I've got to buy a guitar while I'm here and this is like the place to buy great guitars I mean every man and his dog has a great guitar and plays guitar and so ended up going down downtown to all the kind of main guitar shops and didn't find anything that was right and things were really expensive and and then we went to one a local one that was just kind of I don't know in the middle of nowhere okay I think it's called Franklin Guitars and um there was a it's I think it's called a CL10 Gibson and I, I think it's otherwise known as a song song maker songwriter and I got a weird one that I think has been discontinued it was made in the 90s they still make that guitar but it's slightly different now and it was, I think it was 700 bucks, which I thought was pretty great. Yeah. Or 750. And um, I still play that all the time and play it at shows. With regard to writing then, when you're writing songs, mm. um, do they always start off on the guitar? Is it always you that comes up with something? Well, with your songs anyway. Or with your yeah. Piano. I've seen some photos of you on the piano recently. Are you mm. writing on the piano a bit more? I'm playing piano way more, actually. Um, I've always played piano because there was a piano at our house. And so I would always again smash it from a young age and yeah. be excited that it made noises and then Emily showed me to play piano um, taught me to play when she was she was little because she was getting lessons but I found piano easier than guitar because it's so much more straightforward to get a sound out of it it's just like you just press something it, there's no technique um, of course there is if you become you know really good but a child can get a nice result out of it whereas with something like a violin or a trumpet or a guitar it's like we well, have to spend ages on the technique before you can even get a good sound out of yeah, it an, I know people who played the violin for five years and it sounded like torture yeah so I think I think singing playing a drum in any sort of way and hitting keys on a piano I think are the three that sort of everyone can do in some way yeah even if you can't, you know, even if you're like, no, I can't play a note, you could. Like, you literally could. I've always liked piano, and I've just kind of forgot about it for a while, for years, doing doing the staves and doing guitar, and then I got um, got more into it in the last few years. There was a song on the last record that closed the record that was a piano one, kind of quite a sad song, um, called Sadness, uh, Sadness Don't Own Me. And then we did a record after that with Y Music, who were a New York kind of classical sextet but they we did some rehearsals for that where we were in the writing process and, and some of the songs that I'd written on, on piano ended up being used but I ended up not playing the record and they sort of played my piano parts if that makes sense they arranged it amongst themselves and yeah and for the new stuff that we're working on um, there's been quite a lot of piano happening yeah but to answer your question um, if I'm writing songs and, and mostly with with the staves, whoever's singing the lead is usually who's written the song yeah. or the core of the song kind of thing. Um, nearly always they come from guitar. There's been a few that have come from kind of a more of an a cappella stance. And again, like a few and more so now piano. But yeah, it's always the thing I'd sit down to to write. Yeah. First it, portability is quite something yeah. as well, isn't it? Totally. Even one room to the next, let yeah. alone. Exactly. Wherever you want to go with it. Mm. Um Next album, then, mm. how, you know, not to dig too deep into that, but how far along are you? Um, I don't, I don't quite know. Okay. I mean, we've written, we've written a ton, and we started it probably a year and a half ago. Because the second one was two thousand and ten, wasn't it? 
No, God, not that long ago. 14, 2014. 15. 15. Second one was 2015, and the third, which was the, the Y Music Project, was in 2017. I just totally forgot that it was 2019. <laughs> That's why I said Mate, 2007. Welcome, welcome to my life. Um, I literally... Yeah, as if it was nine years ago. Time yeah. is a human construct, and none of it, nothing matters. It's fine. Okay. Um, but I'm sure people will probably think that, though. You haven't done anything in about 10 years. Where have you been? Um, I've been really busy. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, so the, la- the last kind of official stage one was, was in 2015. Um, yeah, and then we did the other one in 2017. And so it's, yeah, I think t- beginning 2018, we sort of sat down to start doing the next one. And we'd been living in the States and touring over there during that kind of interim period it's a funny thing, I'm, I'm very kind of aware now as time passes that to people you disappear when you're not promoting a record and playing loads of shows, mm. you're just, you don't exist anymore and like, what are you even doing? And it's like, well, I've just been touring in all the other places and doing other records and so I suppose this is me letting you know that I haven't been sitting on my arse. I believe you. But um, it has taken a while, yeah, it's taken a while and we took a break from it the last few months and still needed some time out but we're kind of cracking on with it now and so I'm hoping to have it out I'm going to say next year but I'm not going to say when because whatever I say won't, it won't happen <laughs> it's no. always the way but we'll, we should be wrapping it up by the end of the year wonderful yeah can you talk to me about other guitars that you own I've seen you play several very nice electric guitars mm. um you got a red guild Starfire. Yeah. It's not that usual a guitar. You don't see many of them. I, I'm always uh, intrigued when somebody has a, a sort of what I deem an unconventional guitar. Yeah. And you're like, what, what made you buy that? Because, the, you know, you've got the sort of five standards that everybody has. And then you see something, you think, oh, what's going on there? What is it? Yeah. So what spoke to you about that? Um, honestly, it's the guitar that Feist plays. Ah, okay. And I just love her guitar playing so so much so there's no cool way around it I was like I want the guitar she's got and if I get that guitar I will then be her <laughs> no but I, I loved I love her her electric playing in particular and I got drunk and bought it on eBay <laughs> without even trying it or anything no yeah I just bought it it's a 1969 Guild Starfire and it's there's a Bigsby added to it which I think is not an original part and it arrived I was out in the States and it arrived and it was just great. As soon as I plugged it in, it was great. And I was like, oh. Well, it was, and it wasn't that expensive. So, which is... So the being drunk is sort of not really a part, a necessary part of the story, but I was. <laughs> I think it's a good it might way have to, you over the edge of But yeah, it. it's a good way to make a decision, I think, being a little bit tipsy on eBay. Because otherwise you kind of, you just, I'm an R and you're watching and, oh, I don't know. And, oh, fuck it, I'll just do it. And, um, and I, yeah, I've played it ever since and played it on all the records and all the shows and yeah I really love it it's really an amazing sounding thing yeah, yeah it's just it's just a it's essentially a 335 you know it's yeah. that kind of guitar and it's um, it's just got a lovely that one in particular has got a really bassy bottom end and because I use lots of open tunings and play play a lot of finger picked stuff um, it just seems to be really really good for that for my style of playing and I've seen you, is it a blonde 335? Yeah, yeah. Similar sort of thing. Mm, well, that's um, that's Justin Vernon's, it's okay. not mine. Oh, okay. Um, and I won't give it back to him unless he asks. <laughs> 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 um, 
Um, so yeah, but that's a that's a really nice Mine guitar. Now. That's yeah. a really nice guitar that one. But uh, and it and again, yeah, that's got quite a quite a good low end on it as well. But it's a bit more gnarly. But that one works really well um, distorted. I usually play that one not clean okay. but distorted. It's got a nice bite to it. But yeah, it's a lo- it's a lovely tone. I mean, it's a fucking great guitar. It's yeah. massive as well, so you could um, wear a tiny vest with that because it would cover. They're huge, aren't they? It would cover any meal that you had. Yeah, that's true. Just a bra. <laughs> <laughs> no one would know. Um, any? Have you got any others? Um, what else have I got? Well, I've got a Hofner acoustic and a couple of a few, actually a few Hofner electrics. Um, they've been really generous to us over the years um, with their instruments. But and actually, the Hofner acoustic was my first guitar that came with a pickup that I oh. played at shows um, before I went and started sort of buying stuff and they put me in guitar player magazine wow when I was about 18 which is actually the highlight of my life I don't think I've achieved anything more than oh, that oh has it all been downhill since then I think so yeah <laughs> it's the biggest achievement if I was to make a CV which I haven't really had you don't really have to do it if you're in a band I'd put that on my CV didn't you meet Paul McCartney when you graduated yeah I mean that's I suppose that's another high point up there D- downhill since then downhill since then what did he say uh, great, you got a degree. That's well, my impression, by the way. I tell you what, there's a whole there's a whole other story, and I'm I'm loath to tell it in case I get in trouble, but I don't think I will. Or if I do, then fuck it. So it's to do with my uni. Yeah. Um, and I don't actually know if they still do it, but when you do the music course, if you specialise in songwriting, we got to our third year, and there's a thing every year he comes in and does a songwriting class. What does he know? It's like one on one. Good God. So that happened. So that actually was the best day of my life. So you played in Mexico? Yeah, I did. And what did he say? Um, he said he liked it, he said he thought it was really good, and he got his guitar out, and so he got his D28 out. He, yeah, he played along, and then he, and he was asking me how I was playing it, because it was in a tuning. And I was like, oh yeah, it's in, it's in open D. And I was like, oh my God, am I giving him, like, am I educating him in like tuning and stuff? And... <laughs> And there's a capo as well, and I'm like, oh, right, okay. And, and he kind of j- jammed along. And then wow. um, he said it was, he said, he said he thought it was good, and he um, he gave me some kind of tip or, to do something at the end. I can't remember quite what it was. I think I didn't understand what he was saying at the time, but he was saying to change the ending, and I didn't change it. <laughs> I just left it. As it okay, so you had a one on one with Paul McCartney, <laughs> he gave you a tip, and you rejected his advice. I know, I know. But it so, was, I mean, you know, admire the conviction. It was just, I just remember looking at his feet the whole time and I couldn't look him in the eye because he's like my, you know, God. I've been listening to his music my whole life and just, just I totally idolised him. So I think I was bright red, sweating and looking at his little feet tapping along and he's wearing New Balance trainers. He, really, he looked really fucking cool. And it just went by in like, you know, 30 seconds to me I think it was about 15 minutes or something that we were there for that's so it's fucking mental magical isn't it mm. that's that's wonderful and then he hands you the scroll when you graduate the, the you know the degree and I was kind of like does he remember me and he said like I thought he said hello again but I don't know if he did again such a blur and there's just a really awkward picture of us posing thumbs up <laughs> was he no uh, he didn't I don't think Bob he, did he I don't think he did but I just thought also, like, what a cool thing to do. 
because he's affiliated with the school because mm. it's in Liverpool and it's in the, the building he used to the art the old yes, art school it. and that's you know that's great and he's put a lot into making that place happen and it's been going for twenty years or so but you don't have to still do that so he you know he's he's doing it because he must must get something out of it I think with songwriting sometimes there's there's that kind of postponing it you know and procrastinating a bit which I'm really good at and and yeah and the poor guitar gets sort of left in the corner gathering dust a little bit but it's always it's always good when you do it it's like going to the gym which is a very soulless comparison but you put it off and when you go you feel so much better for doing it yeah but it's like it's so easy to be like oh I'll just go next week and we know you haven't done it for months and um although I play guitar a lot more than I go to the gym right and I'm also highly suspicious of very, very physically fit musicians. I just think it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Spending too much time doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, musicians should be pale. <laughs> they should be. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, someone who's very fit and healthy and gym and active seems too much of a happy person to be like writing songs and like being a musician, angst ridden music. Yeah, what are you writing about? What's the longest you've been on tour for? That's a good question. Do you mean like one single tour, kind of with no break in between? Uh, yeah, yes. I can't really think. Probably six weeks or something. It's quite a long time. Yeah. Just I always I just wonder what it's like when you just night after night playing playing an instrument. Yeah. How assured you must be, mm. and how. Um, how kind of slick things must be by the end of a tour. Yeah. When you're, when you're playing. Do you, can you consciously feel, can you feel yourself getting better? Definitely. And it's, it's, it's also, you know, it's muscle memory. You yeah. just get in a groove. And that's, that's really how you do it. I think you just have to do it. <clears throat> you have to get out there and, and play. And then you become, <clears throat> you become good. And then the, the, the kind of things that you had to learn and become second nature. And it, and it is muscle memory. I mean, literally we've been doing some shows this summer and they've all been quite spaced apart which is always not ideal because you don't have that momentum of having mm. been yeah like a well-oiled machine but you'd be surprised how how easily you just don't really think about it because you're so kind of programmed from doing those night after night kind of tours over years it does sink in what's your favorite song to play of yours oh that's a good question what's a favorite song I think um, Eagle Song, which is okay. on the first album. Um, I, yeah, I think that's one of my favourites. I, it's a it's a funny thing to say, but I remember just being really overjoyed when I as I was writing it. It was a weird thing. I remember just being so. It just brought me so much joy writing that song, and I feel that way every time I play it. I love it. That's another thing of playing that I always think about I, it sounds like I don't concentrate on gigs when I go to them because I'm always thinking about other stuff mm. but I, I do wonder about the sort of you weren't too busy worrying about the pickups from the guitars <laughs> aren't you mate where did she get that from <laughs> yeah, yeah. no um, the the repetition of, of doing something so mm. you know Eagle Song a song off the first album would you say you played that 500 times live oh gosh I don't know I mean that one's been it's fallen off yeah off the that's set. sort of not on in the set anymore but. yeah for the last few years but we played it a lot you know during the first record definitely um, maybe that's why that one came to mind now because I haven't been playing it that much in the last few years but yeah certainly I think you've got to be pretty amazing at your job to 
100% love playing every single song every night because it does get repetitive and it does yeah. get tiring and it doesn't mean that you know it's rubbish but um, it's hard to, to get back into each song and especially actually when you're when you're a more established band as in with, with way more material I mean how do you go back 20 years or something to oh okay when I was writing this song and I was going through this you know the song the identity of the song changes in itself by being played so much and I guess that's kind of the great thing about songs and that they mean something different to everyone else than what they mean to you and then even the meaning to you changes over the years I think that's kind of what keeps them alive actually is the playing and the replaying of them rather than kind of playing them to death but having said that I've definitely had moments where I am kind of going through the motions of stuff the muscle memory thing because you're tired and you've been doing you know five shows in a row and I always feel you shouldn't say that but it's true and you, you're you're amazing if you don't ever feel that way. But I think most yeah, people do. I think you'd be lying if you didn't. Mm. Yeah, not every day in work is going to be good, is it? No. Okay. No, and we're very lucky that we get to call that work because you know it's um, it's a great thing to do. But it, it is work and it's a job. And sometimes you know I I have to just make sure that I'm performing well to people who have paid to be there, and that's the most important thing. And often you're wrapped up in like the the mechanics of what you're doing, thinking about chords and shapes and pedals and not tripping over wires and have I got hair in my face and whatever and um should not have had that curry before the gig and all those things <laughs> and um before you know it a song is passed and been and gone and yes. you didn't emotionally get to the very central central core of it but other times you do and that's kind of the magic of it I think so finish up dream guitar dream guitar Oof. I feel like I've gone through phases with idolising guitars and borrowing guitars from people where I'm like, oh my God, I've got to get that guitar. Um, I think um, I really love playing Les Pauls, but I'm trying to think of what would what specific Les Paul would be the one. Yeah. I don't know. Just a fucking great 70s Les Paul. But um, I don't really play them because of me Bach. They're so heavy. Too bloody heavy. Yeah. Um they're not really designed I was going to say they're not designed for women but they're not really designed for anyone they're just a- hard carriers that's about it so but I, think. I mean yeah that's my dream that's my next guitar I think I'm going to get but um, can't really tour with it I did tour a tour with one and it fucked my back <laughs> I really did my shoulders um, that one and oh there must be so many you put me on the spot sorry there must be so so many um, oh Neil Young's Gretsch the 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 the, the, the got the black one and there's a white one as well. Oh, the big like white falcon, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't think they're very light either. You know, they're the size of a small car as well. Giant. But things. are they hollow? I think. Yeah, I suppose they are. Yeah. Lighter. That's all I can think of right now. I'm just looking at Lord of the Rings on your video on your DVD shelf. <laughs> <laughs> what guitar would Gandalf play? Um, I don't know. It would be. Like a Rickenbacker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, yeah. What would it be? I think it would be something with an extremely long neck on it, wouldn't it? Right. That yeah. Looked a bit like a staff, or maybe it'd be maybe it'd be one of those like you know the Steinbergers, like the headless, um, <laughs> the headless thing. Because it's like. I think um, I think Aragorn would be a Les Paul, and I think Boromir would be a Telly. Okay. 
And I think... Legolas would be a white strap. A strap, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Legolas would be a strap. And Gimli. Gimli, I think, I think go back An to... SG. Um, yeah, pretty rocky. Yeah, because he's got that kind of like... Scandy rock look, hasn't he? That sort of maybe you just get an axe turned into a guitar. Yeah, yeah, custom made. Yeah, total custom made. And the hobbits, maybe they'd all be on like kind of ukuleles and <laughs> ukuleles. Yeah. I think they'd be a very acoustic, wouldn't they? Or they'd just have like you know a baron, the uh, Irish drums and yeah. stuff, a bit like a Celtic band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So folky, so lots of D twenty eights and stuff around. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm glad we got that sorted. Yeah, great. Done. Sorted. Thank you very much, Jess. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for having me. So there we have episode two of Star Guitar with Jess Davely Taylor. I hope you enjoyed it. I should probably say that there was going to be a little bit more guitar playing, but when Jess sat down with the guitar, I think she was a bit worried that she was going to come over like David Brent in that scene from The Office, you know, where he makes Gareth go and get his guitar for him. And, uh, well, fair play, nobody wants that, do they? If you did like the episode, please leave a rating or a comment on wherever you got the podcast from. And subscribe if you haven't already. It really helps the podcast grow. Thanks very much to Jess for talking to me. If you want to keep tabs on the staves, go to thestaves.com and have a look at any upcoming news there. Also, check out YouTube for some of the brilliant live sessions that they've done. If you'd like to see any of the guitars that we're talking about, go to Star Guitar Podcast on Instagram, where you can see some lovely photos that Jess has sent me. You can also email me if you've got anything to say at starguitarpodcast.gmail.com or you can get in touch on Twitter too, at StarGuitarPod. There'll be another episode next week, so until then, bye-bye.